You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a city for them. And you long for another world where God dwells. We are incredibly privileged to live after Jesus' incarnation, death, and resurrection. We get to enjoy freedom and salvation from sin because we know and trust in Him. For the Jews who lived before Jesus, they knew that God had a plan to rescue them. But there were the big questions of when, who, and how. As Pastor Danny will point out in today's message, despite those big unknowns, we find many examples in Scripture of people who trusted in God without seeing the answers to their questions in their lifetime. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Acts chapter 8 with today's edition of The Living Word. Do you know John 3, 17? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. A guy, Simon, the Pharisee, invited Jesus to a dinner at his house. And during this dinner at Simon's house, a woman that everybody knew who she was, she interrupted the dinner party. She begins to weep. She wets Jesus' feet with her tears. She stoops down and she dries them with her hair. Simon is thinking, if this man really were a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman this is. In other words, he would not allow her to do this. And Jesus, knowing what Simon's thinking, addressed Simon. And then after addressing Simon to try to teach him a lesson, he turns back to the woman. And let me read you what he says to this woman. Luke chapter 7, verse 50. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Luke's gospel, chapter 13. Again, Jesus. Verse 22, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And he said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you'll stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he'll answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he'll reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you evil doers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you yourselves 
thrown out. He's talking about religious people who believe in God that aren't saved. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ, he's the only way, the truth, and the life. So many passages in the New Testament use that phrase. I'm not going to go into them, but Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Ephesians, 1 Timothy, etc. Use that phrase, the saved. It's saved versus not saved, saved versus lost. And what are we saved from? Two things. Matthew chapter 5, reading a lot of red letter today. Verse 29, Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, don't misunderstand what he's saying. He's not talking about literally cutting off a piece of your body. He's saying, whatever the cost is, whatever it costs you, Be willing to sacrifice it so you're not cast one day into hell. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. He says in Matthew 23, addressing again these religious leaders, chapter 23, verse 15, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you've succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. He says it again in verse 33, you snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell. In Mark 9, 43, Jesus said that the fire, fire of hell never goes out. In Luke 16, he tells a story, not a parable, about two real people, one whose name we know, one whose name we do not know. One is a rich man, that's all we know about him, but we know he wasn't saved. And a man named Lazarus who was a beggar, and yet he was saved. And they both woke up after dying in, it says hell, but Before Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood and gave his life for the sacrifice that could save men, then anybody saved by faith looking forward to the coming Messiah, you went down in your spirit and you went to Sheol. But there were two compartments. And Jesus confirms that in his Luke 16 story. The rich man woke up in torment on one part and he's in flames and he's in torment. But he can see Abraham on the other side. He can see Lazarus. And he says to Father Abraham, Father Abraham, send Lazarus here and let him dip his finger in water and touch my tongue because I'm tormented in these flames. And Abraham basically says, you made your decision in life. Lazarus made his decision in life. You are there. You can't come here and we can't go there. There's no crossing over. And when Jesus died on the cross, it says he went and he preached to the spirits in prison. They were in prison, but they were in comfort. It's a place of comfort. It's called Abraham's bosom because it's the faith of Abraham. Through your seed, God said, the Messiah, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Ephesians 4, quoting from Psalm 68, a messianic psalm, that when he ascended, he led captives in his train. And now all those who were with Abraham are now in heaven. And that's why Paul the apostle can say affirmatively, for the person who is saved, You die in this life to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
two people excited about it. But we're not just saved from hell. Hell's going to empty out one day. Revelation chapter 20 tells us, prophesies. Verse 11, John the apostle says, I saw a great white throne, him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and hell gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. We're saved from hell, and then we're saved from eternal damnation in this awful sounding place called the lake of fire. Some people teach that you can lose your salvation. If that's true, is that what happened to Simon? Had a couple last week grab me in the lobby and they asked me a question about Revelation chapter three, verse five. Revelation chapter three, verse five seems to suggest that God may choose sometimes to blot someone's name out of the book of life. And what they're asking me from that verse is, can you lose your salvation? They're concerned about one of their children who grew up believing in Christ and living for Christ, but now has gone astray. And they're concerned about their child. There are verses on both sides of the issue. You know that? So much so that two whole camps have grown up within the church, within Christendom. One's called Calvinism, and one's called Arminianism. And Arminius teach that you can lose your salvation. And there are different degrees of, of what can happen to cause you to lose your salvation, depending on which camp of Arminianism you're in. And then there's the Calvinists, and there's different degrees of Calvinism. And the five-pointers, the hyper-Calvinists, they say not only can you never lose your salvation, but you don't have any choice whether, whether you're going to get it or not. You're predestined either way. You're either predestined to be saved or you're predestined to be damned. And that's foolishness, in my opinion, biblically. But the point is this, the point is there are verses on both sides that so much so that there are two whole camps of belief. But let me share with you, the emphasis of the scriptures is not on whether you can lose your salvation, it's whether you have it or not. That's the emphasis. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, listen to it carefully. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Don't you realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. That's the emphasis of Scripture. Did you know there's a whole book of the Bible? It's a short book, but there's a whole book of the Bible dedicated to answering that question of how to know that you're saved. In my final few moments, go with me to 1 John. 1 John, and I want to start with 1 John 5. Obviously, we're not going to read through the whole letter or book of 1 John. But the first time I heard this verse in 1 John chapter 5, it was right after I became a Christian. My grandmother lived with us. She had 10 children, seven of her own, and three adopted from a second marriage because her first husband was killed in a car accident. And so all of my aunts and uncles and cousins, they, they flocked to our house on a regular basis, on a regular basis. And right after I became a Christian, it was a Sunday afternoon, and the house is full with my relatives. And I'll never forget my Uncle James and my Uncle Ed sitting there on the couch, and I'm near them, and I'm listening because they're talking about the Bible. And I was like a sponge. I just wanted to hear everything. I wanted anything. Give me input, input, input. And they're, they're discussing now whether you can know if you're saved or not. And Uncle Ed, with his cigar, would say, I don't think anybody can really know. And my Uncle James 
pulled out his Bible, and he turned to 1 John chapter 5, and he read verse 13. It was the first time I'd heard this verse, but I love this verse. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And Uncle James read it. Uncle Ed puffed and gave a thought. I, I know it says that, but I don't believe anybody can really know. But it says, this is the reason 1 John was written, so that you can know. So what does 1 John say? I'm going to give you four things. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Let me tell you another way of putting that so I want everybody to get it. Unless you're longing for another world and not this one, you should really question whether you're saved. Unless you're really longing for a place we call heaven, you really should doubt your salvation. I'm not saying it to boast. You've heard me say it before. I I can't remember the last day. I can't remember the last time in a day I didn't think about heaven. I start pretty much every morning. I can't remember a morning. There's probably been some that I didn't start this way, but pretty much every morning I can remember since I've become a Christian, at least as far back as I can remember, I've started by our Father who art in heaven. Holy is your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. I long for Jesus to come because I long for a world filled with righteousness. If you're not longing for something outside of this planet, then you really ought to question, am I really saved? Because if you're really saved, your citizenship is not here. Your citizenship is in heaven. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven. And I'm longing, I'm longing for heaven to come to earth or for me to leave earth and go to heaven. Right back in 1 John, but Hebrews chapter 11 Verse 8, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. Someone has dubbed Hebrews 11 the hall of faith, because it's a list of all these people that have gone before us who have died in faith, saved people. Verse 11, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a city for them. You love and you long for another world where God dwells. First John chapter two, verse 18. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belong to us. Jesus told a parable on this point, and the point is perseverance. It's called the parable of the seed and the sower. The seed is the word of God, but there are different types of soil. One seed, the word, it falls on the path. The path, because it's been walked on, the path is hardened, and it represents a hard heart, and God's not able to get through to that hard 
heart. The second type of soil, it's a rocky place, but it's not a rocky place like we would initially think of. You don't see the rocks on the surface. It's a solid bed of limestone just below the surface. And because of that, when the sun comes up, man, this type of soil is a hotbed for rapid germination so that the, the things quickly grow. I mean, just overnight. And these are people that start off with a bang, but the sun and the heat soon scorches the plant and they wither. Then there's a seed among thorns. And Jesus said the thorns stand for the riches, the worries, and the pleasures of this life. These are people that start off, but then they just get focused on the things of this life and not the kingdom of God. And then the fourth soil. Jesus said that's the good soil. And the two things that Jesus said mark out the good soil, they have a good and noble heart, which means their heart was changed because our hearts are deceitfully wicked and beyond cure. Their heart was changed. And the second thing he says, they persevere. And by persevering, they produce a crop. They live a life that becomes fruitful for Jesus Christ. I have in my notes names. The last service, I just, I lost it. I got emotional. They're names of people I've personally known. People I've personally done ministry with. One lady, if you go way back in the early days of Calvary Chapel, I led her to the Lord. She was right out of high school. Her and her best friend. Her best friend's still part of her fellowship. Met her husband in her fellowship, and they have children now. This other lady, you talk about giftedness. You talk about, she can, oh, sing. You talk about singing. And she sang for the Lord for years. Sang in a worship team. I played drums in that worship team. Well, several years ago, she made a very unwise decision. And as far as I know, she's still living a lesbian lifestyle. Breaks my heart. Another fellow, he and his family, missionaries, they, we supported them. Then they ended up moving here and became part of our church. He's filled the pulpit for me before years ago. But he made a very foolish decision. As far as I know, he's still living that decision. He's, he's chosen a homosexual lifestyle. Left his wife, left his kids, left his family. Another fellow that helped one of our former youth pastors, and he was very involved in our youth ministry. He and his wife, and his wife, gifted, gifted musician and gifted singer. But she, several years ago, decided she didn't believe Jesus is the answer anymore. She don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. These are people I've known. These are people I've ministered with. My good friend Malcolm, Calvary Chapel, Merritt Island. His son and daughter-in-law. I've had them here. I've known them for years. Tremendous musicians. Tremendous worship leaders. But they read the book, Love Wins, and now they don't believe in hell. They don't believe anybody's going to hell. Good God wouldn't send anybody to hell. Hebrews 10, I read it earlier, but I'm going to read another verse. Hebrews 10, verse 36. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. We don't belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And the context is they persevere. They persevere. Almost done. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Verse two, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we'll be like him for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. The third point is very simple. Not sinless perfection, but a desire to live a holy and a pure life. If you don't have that desire and you don't have that kind of lifestyle, it then you really ought to question, am I really saved? First Corinthians 6, 9, don't you know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that's what some of you were, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. 
Martin Lloyd-Jones writes, holiness is not something we're called upon to do in order that we may become something. It is something we are to do because of what we already are. That we're to discipline ourselves in order that we may become Christian as a denial of the doctrine of justification by faith. I am not to live a good and holy life in order that I may become a Christian. I am to live the holy life because I am a Christian. I am not to live this holy life in order that I may enter heaven. It is because I know I'm going to enter heaven that I must live this holy life. Big difference. And then there's one last one. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. He's talking about habitual, known, willful lifestyle. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about sinless perfection. We don't get that till we get to heaven, and I can't wait. Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, because they've been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are, and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister in the Lord. This last one also very simple to understand. It's the inability to continue to live a lifestyle of sin. And for the true born-again saved person that tries to do that, two things happen. One is conviction. Conviction. Peter, when he denied three times that he even knew the Lord, and one gospel writer tells us Jesus turned and looked at Peter, and Peter, eyeball to eyeball with Jesus, and what happened? Peter went out, and he wept bitterly because of his miserable failure. He was so convicted. David, after his awful sins, adultery, murder, He writes Psalm 51, wash away all my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. It dogged him. Why? Because he's really saved. And the second thing that'll happen if you keep on with it, if you're truly saved, you go to the woodshed because our heavenly father loves us and he will spank us. David also wrote Psalm 32, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. David got a spanking. Then I acknowledged my sin, did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has set eternity in the heart of man. Every single human being from Adam on, every single person has been given this gift by their creator that you have this inner knowledge. You know Everybody knows, when I die, it's not the end. Everybody knows that, if they're honest with themselves, because God said eternity in our heart. So let me close with the question I asked early on. Are you saved? Are you saved? I didn't ask you if you believe in Jesus Christ. I didn't ask you if you believe in God. I didn't ask you if you've been baptized. Simon believed, and he was baptized, but he wasn't saved. Are you saved? Eternity's a long time. You know how long eternity is? It's forever. You really, you really want to say no to that kind of offer? I'll forgive you of all your sins. That's what God wants to do. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world. He wants to save you. I know I'm talking to a church audience. 
But there's some lost people in here, but not for long, if you make the right decision. Today is the day of salvation. That's what the Bible says repeatedly. Today is the day. Today is the day. Why? Because you're not promised tomorrow. There's no promise for tomorrow for you. At least we're having an opportunity like you have right now. Now is the time. Right now. Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Acts on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Once you're there, just look under the Media tab and click on Sermons. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. In addition to that, we would love to meet you in person. So if you're ever in the St. Petersburg area, feel free to join us for our weekly church services here at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Check out our website for service times and all the information you need to join us. We're also live streaming our services for those who are staying at home or living further away. So please don't let proximity to our campus stop you from worshiping with us. Find out more on our website. Once more, that was ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but be sure to join Pastor Danny next time for more from the book of Acts right here on The Living Word.